Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports with interesting executives and interesting personalities. And, of course, my co-host, Joe Favorito. Or sometimes maybe we just talk about business, Tom. Well, which we're going to do today. So um, I'm going to go up a little bit of... Uh, a little bit off track today vis-a-vis straight-ahead sports business and actually talk about a topic that both of us care a lot about, which is uh, communicating and presentation which skills. Which we do none of. So that's, yeah. that's <laughs> right. So, we, try, we try to do it, but we're always trying to improve, too. And with us today is a mm-hmm. special guest who actually is here in New York from New Orleans, Bill Gannon. Welcome, Bill Gannon. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. Um, really happy to have you, Bill, who happens to be an old friend of mine. Uh, which is a whole nother story we'll save for when we have more time. I prefer long-time friend. <laughs> okay, yes. That's, that's a better way of saying it. Um, and Bill is the founder of a business called connect to sell which is a sales and marketing consultancy. He's got a long and rich background in the advertising business, having worked at places like Newsweek, Qualcomm, and Verve Mobile. And along the way, he's done a lot of sales and business development jobs, and he's become really expert at communication skills, sales skills, presentation skills, and he actually turned that knowledge and that passion into a business. Uh, and he is actually in New York to do some work with Columbia University. So that's going to be very exciting. By the time everybody hears this podcast, he will have conducted a workshop, which he's going to talk a little bit about today, called Present to Connect, Ramp It Up. And it's going to be for a bunch of students this weekend, um, and it should be great. So, Bill, Welcome. Let's um, let you introduce yourself, give a little bit of background, and then we'll jump into the heart of the conversation about all these exciting uh, things you're doing. You bet. And thank you, Tom and Joe. Um, so uh, connect to cell really was born out of a uh, kind of a, a wheel that's always been running in my brain. Uh, even in, through all my sales career, starting, as you mentioned, at Newsweek and going on to Qualcomm, going to Verve Mobile, these are all different kind of companies, but they all had one thing in common, and that is presentations after presentations after presentations. Maybe you were a sales rep pitching a big agency. Maybe you were pitching a software platform at Qualcomm or Verve. We gave, I, I personally gave so many on the sales side and also received a lot on the vendor side uh, when I was at Qualcomm especially. This separate wheel in my head in addition to being the pitcher or the receiver, was always the director of the presentation. I couldn't get it out of my head. Like like the orchestration and stuff. Right. I wouldn't do that. Or why are you showing that visual if you're going to use this? You're disconnecting me. I don't understand it. And naturally, I sat through what probably a lot of your listeners have already seen, the bullet point, PowerPoint by death presentations. And you start to sit there and realize there's got to be a better way. And you and I have talked about this before, Tom. We talked about some of our great mentors in the business who took us in the days pre-digital when it came to selling and talked to communicating. And those were the analog gold days. Those were the days that we really learned about. This is the way you engage the audience that you're talking to. You know, you're, you're privileged to have that audience, so make the most of it. Right. You have a business end for this call. Right. Make sure you get to it. As more and more digital tools have come into play over the years, one of the things that director in my head kept nudging me even harder, saying, with every new generation that's thumb communicating and working through devices, there's probably a part of them that's 
getting further away from analog communication, right. from that real person to person. And right, in, like, a, in addition to a, um, a dearth of corporate training, uh, which has definitely declined over the last couple of decades, that's just a fact and something we all lament. That's a real shame uh, because these kinds of sales presentation marketing skills we know are essential in almost all jobs in one fashion or another. That's absolutely right. The anecdotes of today, when you hear it, a lot of young startups, New York is very comfortable and plentiful and startups, 10 people shops, sometimes smaller, a little bit larger. But when you get to the sales development people, the business development people, we're hearing the stories now that they don't even want to get on the phone, that everything gets done by email. Oh, my client and I text each other. That's how we get through to each other. And what's getting lost bit by bit episode by episode is this ability to really connect with the customer. And so when they find themselves on that coveted call, we have a big client meeting, they're going to let us come in and present, there's this ever-increasing temptation to laundry list everything you want this client to know in that presentation. You can't put enough stuff in the presentation. Mm -hmm. We finally have them in front of us, and boy, are they going to hear it all. And in that is just where presentations go to die because no one is really taking the time to go back to, and I know storytelling is getting a little overused, but it is a story. And what you're telling should have an arc to it. And it should have a certain acceleration as the presentation goes on. So with all that as background, I really wanted Connect to Sell to be a service that I've worked with large companies that have established salespeople. I'm working with young tech companies that do not have established sales folks. Students, which I'm thrilled to be doing because I really do believe this is yeah. a huge graduate. Well, as Joe and I have learned, both both for the responsibilities I have in these graduate programs where there's a lot of presentations um, and for jobs and, and interviews and, and all the things they're going to be presented with, no pun intended, as they develop their careers. Uh, I think there's some statistic that 70% of employees in most white-collar jobs have some type of presentation responsibility as part of their work, which is a pretty pretty uh, uh, direct reminder that you better work on this stuff. It's still about human connections. You never present to a business, you present to people. Mm-hmm. You don't pitch a product, you're pitching people. Uh, the people execute the product. Without reinforcing the ways that humans communicate, what they listen for, what turns them on, what turns them off, uh, we start to lose this, as I call it, grabbing the, you know, the briefcase of stuff and clacking it across the table and telling the client, look at all these great things we do. I'll tell you one little story. Down in New Orleans, uh, I worked with the, uh, one of the big media companies down there, very established folks. And they were suffering from the sell and tell, tell and sell. We have this, we have this, we have this. We just got this, we just got this. No one is making it, and this is going to be good for you because. And as I called it, you know, you're you're taking all the tools, you're throwing them on the table and going, look at what a great house we can build. And as I try to remind them all, no one ever hired a carpenter because he had great tools. Yeah. Or to use my metaphor that I've always used with you, is let me talk about my fertilizer when they really want to be talking about their lawn, which is another way of saying it. So all of these things go into the, this, this, this great challenge that we have for taking all this great plethora of knowledge that we have access to now, so much more than when we were having to dig it out of 
newsletters and, and trade publications, and now they're just ready at our fingertips. We suffer from the because it's so easy to get, let's load up the dump truck, back it in, yes. and try to make our presentations. Right. And I think things are getting lost in the sauce. So they, that, that little anecdote resonated with them, but we've had you know, so many of them. So how much of it is lack of listening? And then how much of it is the world we live in now is everyone is trying to scream over each other to tell us all how great they are? It's great, Joe, because listening is the under-trained and underappreciated asset. So I did a blog piece on this. Um, I did the caddy metaphor, since I'm a big golfer. It was called... Uh, We're going to work in as many sports metaphors as we can. Well, that's the fourth yeah, one. Well, well here comes so, one. Okay. It, the, the, name of the, <laughs> the name of this blog entry was... Uh, Show up, keep up, and shut up. And that's the classic caddy job description. Right. Show up, just keep up, and shut up. And as I said, the, the metaphor to sales is really interesting because in sales, there's a real challenge on when to shut up. Mm -hmm. One of my great bosses trained me early on, you have to know when to stop selling. Right. So I'll give you a little, just a tales from the road on this one. With that same company, we were, we were in front of a client and this was a client we were looking to double their investment on per month, and it was a fairly meaningful ask. And this client brought another person in their finance person to the meeting. And of course, that's usually the death knell for your presentation, because now we're going in with the person who says, no, we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Before you've even started. Exactly. Well, we get to it. Presentation's going well. I really like the sales rep. She was very, very good, great demeanor. We get to the investment page. And they start to talk about it, and the rep can't help but to start to add in all kinds of information while they're staring at these numbers. Then they get interrupted and have to get called away. While they get called away, I gave her a little coaching thing, and I said, when they come back to look at the investment page, just let them look at it. They're thinking. They come back in. They said, okay, where are we at? Just looking at the investment page. And I'm waving her off kind of behind the books that you can't see, and I'm telling her, like, just... I'm telling you that two full minutes passed, which is an eternity yes, in wow. a sales call, mm -hmm. while they looked at it. And what they were doing was talking to each other about the, with it, you know, there was a couple of options in it. So they were talking about option one, talking about option two. The point is, they were discovering their own path. They were actually doing verbal thinking for us, and we just got to sit there and watch. And they finally got to the place where we wanted them to go without ever steering them there. And when they exhausted the conversation between each other, they looked up at the rep and they said, we'll call her Christy. Christy, what do you think we should do? Mm -hmm. And I, I swear, the I looked at the heavens. The best question you could ever hear. I looked to the heavens and I said, if every sales, if I, any person ever getting a presentation could just hear this moment, they would right. be like, that's it. Yeah. Give them the space to think and let them react and let them talk to you and... This holds for interview skills and so many things you and I have talked about. Yeah, well, let's, so, so let's dig into actually some of the, the, the techniques you use in the training. But I first want to actually get Joe's opinion on this because he's been teaching for, for a long time, longer than I have. So he's lived through mm -hmm. more student presentations. What do you see, and this is actually a good warm-up for Bill's presentation this weekend or his workshop. What do you see as the biggest issues with young presenters one is they don't understand who the audience is, so they're not prepared, and they come in and present things 
that I already know. So we're wasting 15, 20 well, minutes. Just obvious points. Setting up things about, you know, my widgets when I already know what my widgets are. So they haven't done the homework in advance to know what they don't have to ask because everybody in the room knows it. The other thing that they do is, I think a lot of people come in and they'll just say, okay, we're going to present how great we are in the other things we do. And do you want to pat us on the back first? Or do you want to pat us on the back last? And it, frankly, a lot of that, I think, comes from and you see it, unfortunately, in youth sports with helicopter parents and everybody having to get a trophy. So they're immediately showing, you know, all the amazing things that they've won without any relevance to the person that they're talking to. So it's nice that you've won five OMMA awards and seven silver anvils, and we like that. But what exactly does that have to do with my business? And, that's, and, and then the last thing is, in a conversation that I was having earlier this week, one of the other things that people tend to forget about is not how much money I can make you, but here are some things that I could think about to show you not to lose a crap load of money or what are the mistakes in the industry that are going on. So, you know, I think it's so much starting off trying to impress people by patting ourselves on the back mm-hmm. and not doing their homework or the, the, you know, and wasting 10 or 15 minutes talking about things that everybody in the room already knows. So, in addition to what Joe uh, brought up about the, some some of the content of the content issues in these presentations, um, I think an interesting um, issue to which I'm sure you're going to talk about is the orchestration of the presentations and the behavior during the presentations. So the way they're making eye contact, the way they're gesticulating, the way they're using their into, you know voice um, uh, intonations, things like that. And that, to me, these are rookie mistakes that are kind of universal. So I assume as part of the training, that's kind of the other side of the ledger that you're addressing. It is. I I would like to have a 10-week program, quite honestly, about presentation skills because there's so many things we can dive into. Um, But we can't boil the ocean in just this one session. But we are going to talk about uh, construct uh, the focus of the pro- first of all, Joe. Let me address you. The the we start off with what's the goal of any presentation before you even utter a word. What is the goal of the presentation? When you know what the goal of the pre- when you know where you're going, I always ask them, what do you want people to say at the end of your presentation? What you've walked out the room. What do you want them to say? I want them to say, Joe. Uh, you know, Joe really knew what he was talking about. Right. In that case, let's make sure this presentation does that. If you want them to say, let's sign them up by next week, then the presentation has to go to that direction. So many times the expectations of the call, they say, well, it's to make the sale. The reality is there's probably two other meetings that are required after that. So mm-hmm. the real goal of the meeting is to get the next, next meeting. meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good, so, that's a good basic point. So these are good, these are good uh, foundation layers for these folks. So they start to think about, okay, well, why am I even standing up here? What's the goal of it? So there's that. Joe, different media company I worked with, saw their decks that they bring to clients, and they have a classic sales situation. It's, and this isn't all about sales, but sales is a good metaphor for everything uh, that I think comes from that, the different types of presentations. The opening part, they usually had something, this is not unusual, they had the discovery call where they go to the client and say, tell us about your right. business. One of the worst phrases I think any salesperson can ever say to a client come in and tell you about my business. Do I look not busy? Um, I expect you to come in and know at least half of my business. I'll fill in some blanks for you. That said, let's say they learn a lot. Then they go back, 
the presentation that came back it was between 30 and 40 pages long. Mm -hmm. And do you know what the first 10 pages were about? Them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our history, our size, the tools that we have. Our on. team. And, and, and I just thought, what is this doing up in the front of the presentation? Yeah. And about page 11 came what we heard last time. I said, that's the first page of this presentation. It's linking the two meetings. Well, what do we, we, we need to have all this biography. Fine. It's called an appendix. Put yep. it in the back of the deck. We don't want to waste your time by going through all these right. things. And that way, if Joe asks me, the client goes, well, Bill, why do you think this proposal is going to work? Because we happen to have a company that is this size, and we've had these kind of... Oh, now your biography answered a question. Right. That looks so much better than making them absorb it up front when you're looking at your watch and going, mm -hmm. when do we get to my stuff? So yeah. loud and clear on that. Yes, Tom. In addition to that, we spend time with... Here's the construct. We talk about the different types of presentations in uh, Connect to Sell, uh, Connect, sorry, Present to Connect, Ramp It Up. We talk about uh, openings, how to make a compelling opening. One of the worst openings in the world is I'm Bill Gannon, I'm with Connect to Sell, and what I want to talk to you about today, right? I mean, we've watched presentations immediately. It's like the stock market opening with a 200 point <laughs> right. dip. Right. The meeting opens up that way. It's like, now we're going to have to dig out of a hole. Instead of, in 2011, I kept a, uh, pulled a little kid out of the way of a car. Mm -hmm. the mother, yeah, and all of a sudden, the room is yours. Yeah. Now, where you're going with that can always go to where you're going. But it, where's the human connection? Where's the everybody feels this? And then we talk, so openings, then we talk about the content part. Like, I know you want to talk about all this content. But if you, you can kill me with five paragraphs of talk, or you can turn it into the rule of three. It's always three things. Or you can introduce anal analogies and metaphors and things that make people mm -hmm. light up. This is the language of people, and that's how we have to put the presentations mm -hmm. together. And then we go into Q&A. We, we deal with a number of other disciplines, including eye contact, interaction right, so with you the So you work that in along the way. Correct. And the amazing thing that we have today, which we haven't had in the past, is a simple service like LinkedIn, where you can easily go in and if these people are on LinkedIn, find out the most intimate details about their professional lives. So, oh, look, he's a Mets fan. Oh, this one went to St. Bonaventure. Oh, isn't that interesting? And pulling that into the narrative. First of all, I think it shows that you've done your homework to make a personal connection with these people. And second of all, like you said, it gets a dialogue going and could probably take a conversation someplace that you may not have thought you were going, but can get you to where you want to go so much faster because then you become, oh, you're the guy who showed us this. Oh, you're the woman who talked about the Big East tournament, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, you know, my kids went to, you know, the University of Michigan, um, you know, and those personal touches, like you said, get lost during email. But when you have a conversation with someone and you listen to them, it's amazing the things that kind of come out. Bill, what are some of the exercises you actually use in these sessions right. to bring this to life? So one of the first things we're going to do is an icebreaker. Everybody's got three topics to pick from, and I think they are, tell us the best birthday you've had to date. These will all be censored, of course, for proper. Uh, um, but also, uh, tell us the best tickets someone ever gave you or that you bought, or uh, subject matter like that. And the point is, I just want to get everybody up for two minutes and just get the lungs going and get their 
voice going. We're not going to do a lot of critiquing at that point. We are going to try to videotape as much of it as we can because there's nothing like seeing yourself to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. All the coaching in the world won't help. It's terrifying, but it's helpful. And that's why we're doing a podcast as opposed to video, as a matter of fact. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Faces Um, for radio. I have the face for radio. Exactly. So... um, Anyway, that's one thing we do. And then we're going to get into openings. Okay, so after we talk about openings, then we'll break into groups and say something like, so let's go back to that topic you picked. And why don't we break out as work groups and share with each other compelling openings for your particular one? Mm -hmm. What could get the room off to a better start? Then we'll share the best of the breed out of those. And I think the idea is to just, we can't probably do everybody to stand up every time, but we can certainly get the messaging across that, that's, you see the difference in that opener? Because, mm-hmm. Larry, what I remember over here was, so we're going to talk about my best birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas there we were in front row of the Lent, you know, at the uh, you know, Black Sabbath concert. You know, right. I, it, there's a lot of different ways to get people involved. So we do those, and then we get into the uh, organizing content. There'll be exercises for that. My goal is to give them a framework at the end of the day that they can take without overcomplicating it and just have a simple guide that when they have to do something, go, is this opening working? Do I, am I organizing the content in a way that's going to be interesting? Could I have made that more? You know, you don't have to be an infomercial guy to be entertaining. You just have to think of something that gets the audience right. locked in. And are, are you suggesting that in most cases it's going to ultimately result in a PowerPoint? Is that the coin of the realm? I don't want to say that every compelling presentation has to be that. We've all watched TED Talks where someone just talks, and it's pretty compelling. But I would say that a majority of the room is probably going to be in careers if they're not already doing class assignments that does require standing and putting some visuals up. So we talk about visuals, too. The death of seven points on a PowerPoint slide and why that's just deadly. And if you have to put multiple points, learn how to animate them. So they, they reveal one at a time and you can right. control the room. You have no business putting seven points on a board and expecting, if you're talking about one, your audience isn't looking at five and yeah. seven and three. Yeah. And as, as basic as this sounds, you can't do it without doing it. The Wall Street adage, right? I know it, but if I don't do it, it's like not knowing it. Right, right. So there was, a, I heard once there, something that was a, a, a really popular in the world of uh, presentation training, of the, the 10, 20, 30 rule. Have you heard of that? I probably. I know I'm not making this up. The, I've read about it. I'm sure. So um, no more than 10 slides, yep. no more than 20 minutes, yep. and 30-point type. I like so it. So addressing, yeah. addressing three key things, like how uh, long is it going to be, right? How many minutes are you going to take? Uh, and what does it actually look like? Because you just raised a point that is my big, my biggest pet peeve, and many people's pet biggest pet peeve, which is the um, just the fact that people put too much information on individual slides, and you're and you're and you're looking at it, you're ready for something good, and a slide comes up, and there's about 290 words on it, and you don't know what to look at, and the message gets lost. So what what's what's your approach in terms of best practice on that issue? I. I mean, I understand the animating. That is a smart move to actually right. have to sequence it more carefully. Uh, but but how, how would you recommend doing that? I find myself, I call it, I'm always, a, as I coach people on presentations who have already done them and they're getting ready to give them, I'm a gardener. I'm weeding all the time. I get what you have here. 
I think I know what the garden's supposed to look like, but it's overgrown. There's too much stuff in here. We can't see the flowers well enough. Right. We can't get a definition of the hedge. There's, you've got a weed, so it's always a case of pulling out that I find is a good standard rule. We're going in there and we're generally taking, that's my mm-hmm. blog post that I posted a while ago, a sculpt, sculpt your way to your message. The old joke to Michelangelo, how did you create David? I started with a block of marble and took away everything that wasn't David. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the approach, right? It's, it's, if you're telling me excessive information and it doesn't serve me, it's a block that needs to come off the statue. Right. Which leads us to, in addition to listening, my guess is, Editing is another lost art that yes. should be acquired by someone. Uh, well, everybody. Everybody, right. Yeah. So. It is. It is. The less is more is overused, but there is so much to it. I just had a conversation with my son. Um, he's interviewing for something uh, next day. Uh, so tell me what... When they, when they say, R.B., what are you proud of at your last internship? And, of course, he gave me three paragraphs. And, and I get why, because that's how he's thinking. And so we sat there and said, okay, let's start weeding. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's too thick, right? Yeah. What we want to do is topic, bullet, bullet, conclusion. And that answers the question. Right. And to just over the phone listen to him free up and to feel like, yeah, okay. And yeah. I'm like, and write these down. Because, and that's a tip for everyone, if you write answers down for your interviews, we're moving a little bit off field, but if you write them down, your brain will have a place to go. It will, it will see it on that pad, on that keyboard, on that screen, and it will remember and give you the freedom in the interview to actually not have to think about it that much. Right. Your answer's been a little burned in. We're not interested in robots and all that, but... Right. So I agree, and I think of it almost um, in the form of keywords and, and hashtags, almost almost like a, a Twitter kind of situation where you have a limited number of characters, in the case of Twitter, 140, and in a very small space, you need to craft a message, sculpt a message, and have a couple of key points and words stand out. And ultimately, whether it's a 10-page deck or a 20-page deck or a five-minute presentation or a 30-minute presentation, there's going to probably be a handful of things that people are going to remember. So you really have to think about those key words and make sure they're, they're strongly communicated and probably repeated. So uh, do you agree with that? I do, and, and I'll, I, I, uh, I'm going to leave you with a couple of anecdotes that I think are, are spot on to that. Now, first of all, in New Orleans, I was working with uh, Sonny uh, Bienbet, who's one of the uh, sons of a New Orleans saint. He lost his dad at, his inner, at an early age, and as he, um, as he grew, he realized there were a lot of fatherless boys in New Orleans, and he started a program called Son of a Saint. And the whole thing is not unlike the boy, you know, the, the uh, foster kind of dad kind of a thing, but it's a, it's a mentoring program. Sonny asked me to come in and work with a couple of the youngsters who were going to speak at the annual gala. Now, this is where all the, you know, your folks assemble, and you're hitting right. them up for auction money yep. and donate. Okay, so it's a... This young boy is 14 years old, and he said, you're going to like Quentin. He can really talk. I said, I bet he can. He says, but, you know, probably needs a little guidance. You bet. So I meet Quentin, young African-American, really confident, a lot of bravado, right? And uh, he's going to introduce this six-minute video. I said, great. Uh, he goes, and, I, and, I, and he met me, and he goes, and I know what I'm going to say. I said, fantastic. I said, so let's hear it. And we sat down for a little bit, and he was 
all over the place. He was trying to be very confident, but he was all over the place and there wasn't a lot of focus. I said, okay, let's, I said, tell you what, before we get up and even rehearse it, forget the presentation anymore. I said, Quentin, let me ask you a question. And he was with the Son of a Saint program for six years. I said, why is Son of a Saint important? What's the, what's the really important thing? And this kid's bravado totally disappeared. His eyes softened and he said, Son of a Saint takes you from a dark place that really doesn't feel like it has a lot of hope into a really secure and light environment. And I went, that's it. I put my arms up, I said, there's our line. Now that we know the line, we're just gonna make sure Work the speech goes right to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He delivered it, they cheered at the audience, you know, because right. there it is. Yeah. We chiseled it down to that core emotion and once that right. was out, then everything else is just a exactly. build up to that point. So that's funny. That's the way I described it to some of the folks last uh, at the event, where I just said, "Look, you get those keywords, you get those hashtags, and then you construct the language around it, to, and in a really in a really efficient manner, uh, in a way that makes it sound um, uh, uh, interesting and appealing to the listener, right? But you got to make sure those words are front and center, so to speak." In, in whatever length and whatever uh, style you do it in. It's precisely it. I'll make this last one super quick, but it goes to the same point. I just did a review in New Orleans about five startups that were competing for $20,000 in grant money from one of the Economic Development Councils. They asked me to sit on the team to watch these uh, presentations. Now, I want the folks listening to know these are not students. These are people who are in business, established entrepreneurs. If anybody should know their business inside and out, it's them. If anybody else should be able to do five to seven minutes, and that's how long it was, it's them. So I listened to a bunch of them, and believe me, they were varying degrees of good to not, you know, to sort of average. But my point is this. The one that won was a company that found a way to test for ultra-premature babies for a disease called NEC, which I can't remember the long word for, but basically it's an abdominal disorder that can be fatal, one in six to, um, sorry, 60% mortality for pre, what they call, you know, ultra, ultra preemies, the super lightweight ones. And up to now, the tests have been for them, an X-ray or blood test or something that's not terribly conclusive. This company found a way to have a 97% reliability diagnosis based on the baby's stool sample. Mm. Totally uninvasive, totally reliable. And she's up there talking about this to us in our group. And she almost buried the lead about how good it was. And I said, in the middle of the whole thing, I said, son, here's the thing. Let me see if I'm right. You can help a 97% you know, reliability and non-invasive, I said, if I were you, I would tell the audience at some point, if there's nothing else you remember from this presentation, right. it's one of the most powerful intros you can do, mm -hmm. right. those two things. She did it at the presentation. Of course, I sat near the side, but near the front to watch it. And she literally gave me, this is while the judges were up there, she gave me the eye contact of, there's, here comes the line. And she says, if you remember nothing else from today, well, they ended up winning. Right. But I think the point about that is all that goodness can get lost in content. Right. And you have to get the audience to just stop for a minute and say, these are the two big takeaways. Yeah. So no, that's perfect, back to your said. hashtag. And a so couple on. of final questions before we wrap up. Um, 
And, and you can give a brief answer on this, and this is kind of a longer question, perhaps, or it could be a longer answer. Some people, I think, believe they're just not good at doing presentations. Like, ah, it's just not me. I'm just not one of those people. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I was in an environment when I was young where everybody got trained quite extensively, and that's where I learned a lot of these skills myself as a young salesman. Um, but you do see people with a lot of doubt on this topic. You do. And I think that people think, I'm not really a talker. Right. You know, Joe, Joe, Joe can talk. I can see Joe getting it, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's not an issue with Joe. But, no, no, no. <laughs> I haven't said a word. What are you talking about? <laughs> so you've been doing today, great listening, today Joe, Today has been relatively way. quiet. Active listening. Right. Um, but check out his Twitter account and but his I, LinkedIn exactly. account and Instagram. He's but I will good. say this, that it isn't, it isn't something that you, as a, quote, non-talker, um, need to defer to someone else, feel like you should defer to someone And I will also tell you it's a career inhibitor to limit yourself and right. define yourself that way. These are skills. These are skills that can be taught. One of the things about this framework for the workshop is... You don't have to be, we're not looking for game show hosts, we're not looking for infomercial sales, but we're just looking to take your presentation and bring it to life. If you have the mind, and I've heard this from students and I've heard it from adults, my content is so good. Wait a minute, my content's already good. I don't need to be a great presenter. The content speaks for mm -hmm. itself. Those are, you know, those are the words that presentations and products go to die from because mm -hmm. it does matter how you present it. Yeah. And if you have a passion for something, take the time to let that passion come through. It does not have to be in a massive amount of words, but you're creating a narrative in some form that leads you to those points. So we should wrap up, Tom, yeah. with our famous questions, I think. Yeah, actually, um, a couple of key, um, simple ones, Bill. Um, first of all, um, and this is, relates to the, the, the question we usually, uh, our penultimate question every week is, how do you stay informed? Where do you get all your good information from uh, in general and on, on this topic? And there's one book I want to recommend, but I want to also hear if you recommend specific books on the topic of presentations. Right. Um, Simply Said is a book that is written by the gentleman, I believe it's Jay Sullivan, and he is the CEO of... Execcom, and Simply Said is a really good book about. It's called Simply Said. Simply Said. Okay. And that says it all. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how to break it down, how to keep it clean. And then um, uh, I believe it's called, it was written by, maybe you know the book, it's written by an ex FBI agent, and it's called The Power of Likeability or The Likeability Factor. And basically, it talks about uh, those ways that people just respond and how you generate kind of a likeness, or an, and we're not talking about romantic likeness, we're talking about just that appeal. How do you get someone to be facing you? How do they get open to you about what you want to say? Mm -hmm. So there's really interesting behavioral things in there if you're into that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I try to read whatever I can on that, and then I go to blogs a lot too, just for um, power of presenting. LinkedIn is a great resource yeah. because just so much intelligence gets There's a lot put into of that great depot. content on LinkedIn. By you the could, way, it's uh, almost the new I'd library like to, I'd like, of knowledge. I'd I mean, like to uh, give a shout out to Bill's work on LinkedIn. He, he's a frequent essayist on LinkedIn, as is Joe, and I do a few myself. But Bill's there. stuff on this topic are some of the best stuff I've read because mm -hmm. I read a lot of my peers and colleagues, and uh, you, you really have done a great job with your, your LinkedIn essay. So everybody should check him out, Bill Gannon, G-A-N-O-N. Um, I also want to mention another book that I haven't actually completed, but I have on my my yeah. trusty iBooks app, 
which is Talk Like Ted. Oh, there you, you go. You guys that know about that out. book. Yes. I think it's been out for a year or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, you Have you read it? I have not. Okay, well, we'll just give it a shout-out so everybody could check it out. And I think the, the gist of it is to, how, do you, how do you actually think through a big issue and, uh, and figure out a good way to present it to people in the course of typically 18 minutes? Yeah. Uh, because for anybody who's watched TED Talks, which is most people, they've at least seen a couple, um, you know it's a very, very big thing to do. Uh, and if you've ever read about the people who have done TED Talks, they have spent months and months and months preparing That's right. for those 18 minutes. That's right. That, that efficiency. Okay. Well, well prepared. Yeah. Um, oh, and actually one more shout out, something I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but I, I want to mention again because it relates to this topic quite closely, which is the fabulous podcast, Art of Charm, Jordan Harbinger. Good to know. So it's all about uh, interpersonal communi- and communication skills, nonverbal communications, self-development, self-growth. Um, they do episodes. There's a full episode just called How to Introduce Yourself. There's an episode on Nail the Interview. They speak to hostage negotiation experts. It's really good. It's one of the top business podcasts uh, in the world, the, or at least in the U.S. these days. So I want to mention that. I listen to it all the time. Good to know. Um, last question. Uh, we have a lot of students and young people listening. You have had a stellar career uh, with some twists and turns, interest, interesting ones. Don't what kind of all. advice would you offer up to everybody listening? Anytime in front of a classroom, I was down at Tulane having this conversation, and Loyola, I'll share it with the Columbia folks as well. Your network is an absolutely explosive opportunity that you have to exploit. You absolutely don't know where the connections in your life are going to come from. And those LinkedIn, com- those LinkedIn connections, those casual meetings, you have to find a way to care for them. You have to go back and revisit your contacts, drop them the occasional note. You just have to cultivate it. And you don't know where your opportunities are going to come from. I promise you, we all look back on our careers and see the turns and go, no one saw it coming. Yep. Yep. Um, but without, and, and invariably they come from that person that you met that time who circled back with you. So please, everyone, you know, take LinkedIn seriously. And, and, and manage it seriously. And manage it seriously. Yeah. Care for it, right? right. Cultivate it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be my advice. And don't be a jerk. That's, a, <laughs> That's right. a good one. Your, your reputation in human capital. Well, I mentioned this in the, pres- in, the, in the workshop we did this week. I said, I think the two most important assets we have are your reputation and your network, yep. and both need to be managed. And reputation is something when you're younger that you are in the process of building. I mean, but it's it's a it's a never-ending uh, a work, a piece of work that you have to attend to. So that's a good way to think of it. Bill, thank you so much. That was terrific. We we do need to know where to find exactly. you exactly uh, on the internets. Excellent. So uh, give us give us some places. Let me give you a go. couple of touch points. Thank you both, Tom and Joe. Um, www connect to sell and that's a number two between those so it's connect the number two sell.com is my website uh, on Twitter it is a B Gannon uh, connect to sell you have to put it all together on Facebook it's simply connect to sell uh, those are pretty much where you'll find and my LinkedIn of course is yeah. B Gannon B-G-A-N-O-N on LinkedIn so yeah Love to hear from folks. Lots of commentaries in there. 
uh, considered yeah, a and if everybody's living, look, working looking space. for some uh, a good guy to to lead a, a project or a a workshop on this topic, he's your man. So, Bill, thank you again on behalf of Columbia and Joe, and it's a pleasure to have you. And good luck in the uh, in the workshop this weekend. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. And we got the sports references in, which always is a pleasure. Well, you know, it's nice nice change of pace, but everything we talked about is one hundred percent applicable every day in the world that we're running around in. It is. And I know that uh, we know that, and everybody listening, hopefully, will eventually figure that out. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Great episode of the Cusp Show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my host is Joe Fabrito. Our production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.